0: Hey there, Joseph here. Quick question for you. How many people just like you did you see in the media growing up? In today's episode, myself, Claire and Felicia Ward are covering a topic that is as important as it is scary for businesses, marketing representation. How can businesses be more inclusive? What is marketing representation versus inclusivity? Or what does inclusivity and representation mean to us growing up compared to now? Today we are hosting the show a little bit differently. This episode is more conversational and raw than all the shared before. We decided to have Felicia Ward as a co-host of the show rather than just a guest. And Felicia brought her expertise on working with Action Taker CEO to the mic for you today. Inclusivity is a part of this digital boss's value, which is why we decided to open up today and share our background growing up in different countries and cultures sharing our experience hoping for you to relate connect and feel empowered to embrace your amazing unique self even in business without further ado let's get to it Welcome to the Digital Bosses Podcast with Joseph and Claire. Our definition of being your own boss means showing up for
1: yourself so you can show up for everyone and everything personally and professionally.
0: So congratulations on showing up, boss. We created the Digital Bosses Podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you start, grow, and build a purposeful online business. If
1: you are a business owner, creator, looking to build an impactful brand that makes a difference, you are in the right place. So
0: let's say in. Welcome to the Digital Bosses Podcast. And today it is a little bit different. We have two hosts, actually three with me. Felicia reporting from Philadelphia. And then we have Claire from Toronto. Hello guys, how are you? Joseph, how are you? Good Very morning. Well. I'm doing well, doing well. So Super excited to see you both. It is so <laughs> awesome. And today we are talking about a topic that I think is really needed to be discussed because we are talking about representation. And just to give a little bit of a perspective about what's been happening, listening to this on an you don't see the video, we have a very key representation here. So we have myself, I am Italian, uh, I am an Italian gay man that we have, <laughs> <laughs> that we have Claire. It's from Toronto, but generally... You- my background, my parents
1: are from Taiwan and I grew up in Vancouver. So I represent uh, when I travel uh, pretty much a lot and then live in different places. So representation <laughs> of the demographic of
2: Asians. And Felicia... <laughs> Sure. And I represent African-American and also Native American. So uh, I kind of represent the United States and what's going on with minorities and in, in the U.S. That's amazing. And today we are playing the game
0: a little bit differently because we're all going to be hosts of the show. There's not going to be a guest. We're all going to be hosts and we all are going to share what is our, you know, feedback and experience when it comes to representation coming from different countries as well and living in different countries. I think this episode is a very key part of how representation looks like across the globe and how to improve it, learn from it, and actually relate to it. So, Claire, I will lead the mic to you. Well, so Felicia... Why don't you start
1: with who you are and what you do and what is your superpower? So I am a marketing
2: communication strategist. I've been doing it for about 35 years. I specialize in crisis management and thought leadership marketing. And I work with uh, C-level executives and entrepreneurs in helping refine their message clarity, their branding in terms of personal branding. And also I work with them on trying to create bespoke content so they can move forward in authority um, in their position. Beautiful. And my superpower would probably be, I, I love marketing, but, uh, consumer behavior. I think that's my superpower of, since I was, times was a small child to go to the mall and watch people shop and interact and see who had bags, who was having a sale and how people interacted with the salespeople. <laughs> and, uh, and we lay on that one,
1: actually, uh, still yes. the shopping spirit yes. and then checking on people behavior. So yes. yeah,
2: you take it all in. You know, and it's yeah, really, it's helpful. You know that, yeah. yeah, it's helpful in working with your marketing plans just to interact with customers uh, to see, to, to be a fly on the wall and see how people, what people, Actually, do versus what they say. I have
0: to say, I do agree with you because it is sort of a people watching taken to the next level, isn't it? It says a lot about you in the way you interact with other people. And talking about interaction, I have a question for both of you. What would you say was your experience, Felicia, for example, representation in media growing up? What was your experience growing up in
2: America? And, you know, did you feel like you were represented? I was a kid pretty much of the 80s. So I was living in a time where we had, the, for the first time ever, it was groundbreaking that we had the Cosby show. We had a different world. right. You got to see uh, multiple, you know, different shows with different minorities. And there was a lot of shows that were number one where you were able to see African Americans, and it came. And in terms of broadcast, some of the top broadcasters were female African Americans, and it was the first time you saw them it was instead of straightened hair. So it was a burgeoning time where people were like, "Wow, we're in our power." Previously, we were seen stereotypically where they were criminals or, uh, you know, background people and they were poor. So here it was. The Cosby show comes out and all these shows could show there were doctors, there were lawyers. There were different socioeconomic backgrounds that represented more of what I saw in. It made people proud. I think that's what was what how I interpreted and perceived it. And it really was helpful to me.
0: How about you, Claire? How was your experience growing up in Canada? And you know, being Asian was was there such a thing maybe in the Canadian TV? I'm talking about TV because, of course, we come from a generation where there was no social media. So TV was the best medium we can kind of relate to. So what was your experience? Well, First of all, I love this question because it really
1: drew me to, you know, I'm in the 80s. <laughs> so I think that's something I can really resonate with Felicia. Um, I mean, growing up in Vancouver, I mean, obviously at that time, I, mean, I hang out with lots of people who are just like me. Um, but when it when it comes to diversities and um, representation in media at the time, you know, even where I came from, my background, you know, I study fashions and beauties. I didn't really always see a lot of representation. And I remember, back, um, and he's like, okay, these are how people look like, you know, there's always a certain way how they talk about beauty, you know, mm. and I always just feel like, oh my God. How could I be like that? And then I had mm. to use this as an example. I think Felicia I can totally resonate. Remember the magazine 17 magazine? Mm-hmm. So I grew up watching, yeah. like reading that magazine because it always looks so pretty. And then, you know, and then there's obviously at the time you see colors, but you don't see lots of Asians at the time in the market. Right, right. And then so Uh, growing up as a teenager and then obviously i'm not the typical like chinese you know like i'm pretty internal i'm not fair and Mm -hmm. i do have a hip you know i'm a bit bit curvy uh, which i talked about a lot it's also part of like body awareness but when you actually see in the tv you see in the media you always have that confusion in for me example and then i was like okay part of i was like how could i be like them. How could I look like them? And then when I was a teenager, everyone's once uh, a couple of years I would travel to uh, Taiwan and I would, go, I would go to Asia. And I was like, well, I, I don't really look like that because they're all very skinny and they're very fair. <laughs> and so I was like, <laughs> you know, um, so part of me, I really did struggle because um, mm. I didn't really like, I mean, part of me, I didn't know what is self-acceptance. And then also because what you see with the Western culture and the oriented culture. So I was actually trying to find a re- representation and how to really like myself in terms of my own identity See back then, you know, not like how these days people just talked about it. You can share on social media. The knowledge is so much more back in your 80s, mm. you know. And then mm-hmm. when I actually uh, moved to London, UK, um, I was actually oh, like, like overwhelmed. The fact is how much diversity. In London, you need you see different races, you different cultures, and I was like, yeah. oh my god, that I was really blown by. And then I was always influenced by how people live, their culture, and then their right. language. And then when I moved to Italy, and uh, I remember uh, in my twenty, and then obviously at the time, you know, working in fashion, I I saw lots of like pretty much they were like white people, white models. You know, you don't mm-hmm. see many that colors people. Again, it's kind of like self. Steam issue, you kinda like, Oh my God how why they all look so beautiful why they look certain way and i sometimes just kind of like trying really hard to fit in that societies mm. and trying to how i can be like them you know but mm. obviously i can't go bleach my skin because that, just you know uh can i be taller can i be skinnier you know can, can am i gonna go bleach my hair so the representation sometimes there was a confusion and i i'm pretty sure lots of people can resonate just mm. like me you know and and because at that time, you, it's not always easy to go out and talk about it. And you kind of always trying to find that identification of who you are and to try to fit in the, the medias and then whatever you yeah. see, you, you really trying to find a mirror. And sometimes you wonder, okay, where do you really belong to? And then, you know, like how I grew up and traveling to different places and then constantly trying to find a belonging, uh, like where do I fit in myself in the society so
0: yeah hey it's Joseph here how's it going are you enjoying today's episode what is your biggest takeaway if you like what you're hearing and you would like to support us make sure you go over on Apple podcast leaving us a review five stars for good camera we value each and every feedback and yours matters the most plus we really want to improve here so make sure you go over on Apple podcast today and let us know what are your thoughts now back to the show. So
2: Joseph, I wanted to ask you, what was it like for you in representation for you growing up in Italy, being a male, being queer? What was it like? Actually,
0: it is really interesting because I feel like I've, I learned a lot from you and your experience. But I always known I was gay. I feel like I always known and I came out as a gay person at 17 years old and growing up in a country, very Catholic, very conservative. Everybody in Italy is very attached to their roots and everything has to be in a specific way. And if you don't fit in that way, you're just excluded. And I have to say now it's very different. And while there's a lot of work to still do, it's so much better than it used to be. For me, what was very difficult was growing up, I will watch TV series. And we do have a huge American influence in Italy. We do watch a lot of American TV. Uh, there is a lot of American mimic on things. They will take a format that they will copy and paste it in Italian. The funny one is you guys have Saturday Night Live and in Italy they do the same, but for some reason it is on a Wednesday, not on a Saturday. <laughs> <So that's laughs> like, you know, that was that's how they do it. They kind of copy for a format, they don't quite get it and they just mm-hmm. make it different. But you know, for me what was really difficult was that Yes, there was a little bit of representation of gay people. Just a stereotypical gay person mm-hmm. that you would expect it to be. Very yeah. flamboyant, very, you know, very mm-hmm. glittery. And in 2022, as we speak, that is still the same representation. It hasn't changed. Right. Okay. Right. And, you know, we're talking about a culture where if you are a celebrity and you come out as a gay person and you do your coming out, public media, they pay you about 500K just to say that you're gay. That's Italy for you. Okay. So like, if you have actors, there was a very famous actor in Italy that came out as a gay guy and he said, you know, I'm gay, be gay. And it became like front page news in Italy. I moved to England in my early twenties and I realized how everything is so much in that way. Nobody really cares. You can Mm -hmm. be whatever you want to be. In Italy, there is a lot of interest about who you like, who you go to bed um. with, who you fancy. There's a lot um. of that. I say I'm thankful because I grew up in a very open-minded family. My family was very open-minded. They accepted me in a very you know, easy way. It was not much of a drama there. But growing up, I would say... I didn't feel quite like the gay person they represented. So I hope the new generation has the gift to be able to see themselves in a different way. And it's funny that you said about your representation in media growing up in the 80s, because I grew up with Family Matters and Willie the Prism- Will, the Prince of Bel fresh
2: friends, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, and I remember that in Italy, there was a big... Thing because there was no representation of black people on TV, and I remember having a friend of mine. We were schoolmates, and he was so excited about the fact that there was somebody like him on TV. opened mm-hmm. opening for me because if you think about when I work in beauty, um, I started working in beauty in Italy, and one of the biggest problem was the fact that a woman in Italy it's really hard to find a foundation. It's really hard to find you know the makeup that suits your skin type, and you right. know. I remember one of the biggest mistakes people used to do in my industry was that, oh, you know, you're a black skin, you only have to go with bright colors. That is not quite true because you might want to wear nudes. Right. And I don't know if you relate to that. But yeah. that's what that was my experience, you know, of misrepresentation, if you will, of your culture. The question I have for you, Felicia. What is your take on council culture? And do you think we're going a bit too far with the inclusivity now? Or do you think, do you think it has to get worse before it gets
2: better? I want your insight on that. I think it has to get worse before it gets better because I believe that the purpose of cancel culture is to call people out. And when you call people out and you bring to the awareness as to why a person is being canceled, it makes people go, oh, I didn't realize I was offending anyone. I didn't realize that this was even an issue. Um, I think it goes too far when people kind of go back too far. I'm not a proponent of going back 30 years to say something that Kevin Hart, the comedian, said 20, 30 years ago. I think that's too far. I think when you're doing cancel culture, you should look at what person has said in the last two years, three years, something like that, where it's relevant to the time um, because, as you know, if you said the word gay in the 1940s and 30s, it meant happy. And you fast forward to the person saying gay now, it has a completely different meaning. And what was acceptable to be said 20 years from now, even 10 years from now, it's different. I mean, um, I'll, I'll give you an example. People that are older don't know what to call people of color because they grew up where you call people colored. They call them Negro. They call them Afro-American and now it's African-American. And lately, right. you note, yeah, notice they took the hyphen out. So they've taken the hyphen out of Asian-American, Native American. They're like, no, there's no hyphen that's needed. In other words, you're part of the culture. You're part of the country. You shouldn't have a hyphenated thing. But as things grow and change, people that are older can't keep up. I believe in cancel culture. That's where you lose people, where you have to Let people sit with something for a minute and understand when all the different pronouns and things come up. I remember working in crisis management. I could tell you things that have happened 10 years ago when they were talking about using uh, bathrooms. And that they were going to have Ooh. a, a sex bathroom. Remember, it was a huge, big problem. It was a big issue. And people, I won't shop there if you go to the mall and it says his, hers, and maybe they. And it was a major issue. And family bathrooms years before that, just to have a family bathroom where people could do baby changing stations, that was a major issue. And now we don't even talk about it. So there are things that come up that are a knee-jerk reaction, and it becomes a major issue. And then it gets blown over, and then we move on to something else. And so in that sense, that's where people have a problem with cancer culture. They can't keep up, and you need to sit with something and explain, oh, I've called a company out because they're doing this, and because they're doing this, this is what we're going to do so that they get slapped on the hand. But what you find, especially in the designer world, you see a lot of designers now utilizing that as a publicity stunt that they purposely yeah. they purposely offend people with the co- with the outfit or the design so that it gets a lot of buzz and people talk about it it gets all this type of publicity and they show their whole collection for the season so there's one item that's bad but the whole collection gets shown on television for weeks at a time so that's where people can abuse cancel uh, cancel culture
0: right and Claire, what is your take on Celtic culture? Do you agree with Felicia? Do you think there is a moment where it's been where it's taken too far? I
1: totally agree, um, the stuff that Felicia you're sharing, because I think where we are right now and then the generation with headings, obviously I think this topic it's definitely is an ongoing and can we change it instantly? No, but I definitely do think it's the more we talk about it, the more we acknowledge to people, uh-huh. Uh-huh. they are more aware. I think in terms of the vocabulary of how we name people, because mm. I think mm. that we all have um, perceptions, how we see certain type of people, but is, is it always correct. No, but because it's what we actually saw from the media so, we have a typical way of how we think of this type of the culture, this type of the people, but it may not always be 100% true. So, I think that's what I have to say. There's a lot of work to do. Um, and we are much more open to talk about it, but haven't been talking enough, especially in the workplace where I came from, from, um, corporates. I think in Canada in general, we're pretty diverse, pretty multicultures, but in the workplace, I do think that is something we can count out as, and then especially really teach the, um, the younger generation, especially their colors, because sometimes mm-hmm. you're really trying to find a way of how to fit in. And especially social media these days, you know, you see all type of people. But you, I always feel that um, if we can be really transparent about talking certain type of topics and be aware of like who you're talking to, the type of language, um, how to educate to talk better, I feel like the world will be in the better place. I do have something I would like to ask you, Felicia. What is the biggest mistake you see? businesses doing in marketing campaigns in this day and age
2: when it comes to inclusivity and representation? I think the biggest problem is that it's an empty promise and that I think a lot of companies think that if they just have representation in their ads, that that's enough. And what people want to see is in addition to the ads, they want to know that your core beliefs are in alignment with your mission of your company. So I remember Benetton, if you guys, they did a fantastic international campaign. They also put money behind what they were doing in terms of causes. And I think that's what the problem is. I think people think, well, I'll just have an ad and I'll create a Benetton ad and someone will be white, black, Asian, this or whatever. And then what happens is you go to the store or you interact with the company and there's this empty promise where you're like, oh, uh, I don't see the representation. Um, yeah. you're, you're not following through with an exclusivity. You don't, you have not adopted a diversity p- policy. And I look at the board of directors of your company and I look at representation as to who's in the C-suite, who are the leaders of your, your company. It's not there. So you basically are telling me that the people that came up with this concept are just utilizing the fact that they've paid for pretty images. And that is a huge, huge problem that diver- like what Claire was talking about, the biggest part, I think, when I lived in New York City, when I related to both of you is that when you live in a diverse culture people get along because it's not a major issue. Everyone has to get along. You're in a tight space. They don't, they're they not worried about, like what, what Joseph said, who you like, who you fancy. Pretty much people accept the cultures. And what happens is when you go into cities that are culturally diverse, you see the cultural diversity in the ads, and you also see the cultural diversity and how they promote and underscore their mission. And I think what happens is that companies figure... If I just front facing, have multiple color people in my ads, that that's enough. And what Claire said about the belonging, it's diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. That is why people leave companies, because there's no belonging. You've brought them into the company and said, okay, we've hired people of color, and then they leave because there's no mentorship, there's no support, there's no welcoming, and they're not connecting. So the connectivity of having a diverse advertising campaign versus how that reflects in your mission statement, how that reflects in your core values and your business objectives. It has to follow all the way through.
0: I agree. Showcase this so well. It's not really what happens in the ad, but what happens in the you know, in the corporate ladder, whether you are represented in the right way. And it has to be a 360 representation. And of course that takes a little bit of time. Don't expect everybody to be super inclusive only one one go. But that's why I also think sometimes it's better to take a step back and actually do not take the avenue for your advertising campaign and maybe hold back until you're behind the scene in your corporate ladder is equal so that right. you can showcase that and represent it in the right way. I think that's a very big takeaway. And if you're listening right now... And you think there is more to be added to this topic? Please reach out to our social media, Felicia. Where can I listen
2: to find you? Sure, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram as at Felicia Word Marketing, and I'm also, I believe, on TikTok a little bit as well. But primarily LinkedIn and
0: Instagram. All right. That is it for the day. Now that was a jam-packed episode full of value just for you. But let me tell you a secret. The best conversations actually happen after the show over at the Digital Bosses page on Instagram. You're more than welcome to join the tribe there. We have...